Hey, you're listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. My name is Keila Craft Ambrose. This is a place to grow, be inspired, and to go deeper in the things of God. I hope you enjoy this episode. The title of my message tonight is called Greatness is Who You Are. Yeah, so... I'm going to go through and I'm going to kind of tell you this story and then I'm going to go back around and tell you a different perspective on the story. So Elisha is the prophet in this story and Naaman is this leader, okay. Naaman was a big deal. He was a commander in the Syrian army and he was strong, intelligent, he had an important job, but he got leprosy. Now, if you don't know what leprosy is, I'm going to kind of read to you. So you can, I didn't give you pictures because that would just be rude of me to do to you. Um, but I'm going to read to you kind of what it does uh, to give you a picture of what leprosy is. Because we hear it, we're like, mm, leprosy. Like these people were actually outcasts. They weren't allowed to live with their families anymore. They had to be outside the city. They weren't allowed to touch people. People weren't allowed to touch them. They were considered unclean. And let me explain to you what leprosy is. Ancient leprosy began as small red spots on the skin. Before too long, the spots got bigger and started to turn white with a sort of shiny or scaly appearance. Pretty soon, the spots spread over the entire body and your hair began to fall out, first from the head and then from the eyebrows. And then as things got worse, fingernails and toenails became loose and they started to rot and eventually fall off. And then the joints of your fingers and toes began to rot and they fell off piece by piece. Gums began to shrink and then they couldn't hold your teeth anymore. So then you lost all your teeth. Leprosy kept eating away at the face until literally the nose, your mouth, and even your eyes rotted out. And eventually the victim would die. Ew. So this guy was a really important guy who had done a lot of great things, but he basically, like, today, in today's world, we hear someone gets cancer, and that's the death sentence, right? That's, like, the worst thing you could hear. Back then, it was leprosy. Back then, that meant you didn't get to see your family member. You didn't get, like, imagine not being able to be touched ever in the rest of your life by people. Some of you introverts are like, thank God. But, like, other people, I mean, imagine, say you're like a child. Your mom couldn't touch you. Like, your, your, your family couldn't be around you. Say you're married and your spouse can't even hug you or get close to you anymore. Like, that's a really harsh thing to to have happened to you, you know, especially when you're important, you know, you think like you're invincible, this dude's gone to war. Basically, he, the Syrian army at this time, just so you know, biblical context, they had overtaken Israel. So they were like the top dogs, they were the important guys. Um, and before I get into any further, my first point is greatness is attached to how you think. So Naaman had leprosy, and you can imagine, he probably had the best doctors, he had the best treatment, he had the best advice, but nothing helped. He traveled to Israel with a gift and a letter from the king of Syria to ask the king of Israel if he could be healed. The king of Israel freaked out because he didn't know how anyone could ever be healed of leprosy. And the king literally said this in 2 Kings 5-7. He said, says, when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes off in dismay. And he said, this man sends me a leper to heal. Am I God that I can give life and take it away? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Historical context, the Syrians had overthrown the Israelites. Okay. So then they're asking, like the, the Syrian king is asking the Israelite king for help. 
So he thinks it's like a joke. He thinks he's trying to mess with him. He's trying to pick a fight, trying to say like, hey, heal this guy. He's important, but he's just messing with him. He's just trying to infect their kingdom, right? So then back in that time, like when you got that disease, like you're dying. There's no other way that you're going to be healed. So what happens is the prophet Elijah, he hears about this and he told the king to send Naaman to him. So in 2 Kings 5, 8 through 10, it says, But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn off his clothes in dismay, he sent this message to him. Why are you so upset? Send Naaman to me, and he will learn that there is a true prophet here in Israel. So Naaman went, to, went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elijah's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out, with him, out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. So Elisha told the army commander through a messenger, wash seven times in the Jordan River and you're going to be healed. Okay, Naaman was not happy. Let me remind you, Naaman was an important guy. So the fact that he comes to see Elisha, like, I don't know what he was expecting, but they have conquered the Israelis at this point. They have no power. So maybe this commander of an army is thinking that the prophet's going to come out and bow to him and be like, oh, let me heal you. But the prophet just sends his servant to tell him, hey, go wash in the river and seven times and you'll be good. So Naaman is pretty upset at this point. He's pretty upset that now he's going to have to do something in order to be healed. So what I didn't explain so far in this um, and this story is when Naaman shows up for the king and for the prophet, he brings like all this money and all these things to give them in order to bribe them to heal him. And obviously Elisha goes like, no, which I would have probably been like, okay, you know, but he's like, no, I don't need any of that. And he just sends a servant to deal with him, you know, so it makes Naaman feel like he's not important. And so in 2 Kings 5, 11 through 12, it says, Naaman was angry and went away saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Albana and Farfar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters in Israel? Can I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned away and went in a rage. Now, I started, started to look up, why did he mention these other weird rivers? Like, that's kind of weird. So it says, why should he go wash in the waters of Jordan when the, when the rivers of his hometown of Damascus were far greater in size and beauty? Like I found out that the river of Jordan was not like seen as like a really nice clean place. It was where people like fed their animals water and where they bathed and where they bathed their animals and other things probably happened. So it wasn't seen as like a really awesome place. These other rivers that were actually in this guy's hometown were beautiful and they were like flourishing. And he was like, why can't I wash in those? And so the whole point of what Elisha was telling him to do, though, it was a matter of faith and obedience. It wasn't about water. And so I had this thought when I was researching more about this story and I thought, what if what you want is attached to your obedience? Like, we're so caught up in what we want and what's not happening, but we're not being obedient. We're not doing what we know we can do and we should do, and therefore we're upset that things aren't happening, but we're not doing what we can do. So, like, really, like, we have to work on how we're thinking. We have to work on how we're seeing things. The second point is greatness is attached to what you listen to. 
So I want to bring this story and rewind a little bit because there's a little known figure in this story. And this is the great person in this story that I want to point out. It's not Naaman. It's not Elisha. It's a little known figure, a girl who was a slave in Naaman's house. She worked as a servant for him when she got captured. She was an Israelite. And she got captured and she had been working in his house. Basically, he was her master. And whenever she found out that he was sick, she said to her, her master, like, go see the prophet Elisha. And he could have said something like, who are you to tell me what to do? I'm influential. I'm important. You're a maid. You're a slave. You're a servant. The Bible doesn't really say how she knew about Elisha, but she did. And when Naaman heard that maybe his leprosy could be cured, he listened to her and he went straight to the king of Israel. This was someone who they had conquered, like I told you before. So this isn't like a comfortable situation, but at least he had the boldness to know, like, I'm the leader of an army, so I have some power behind me. I'm pretty sure he didn't go alone. I'm not sure how that looked if people couldn't be around him. Like maybe they were like really far away from him and he had to like be alone and walk ahead or walk behind. I'm not really sure. But I know they couldn't be around him, but I know that he wouldn't have gone alone. But I'm thinking about this, this young girl that had the boldness as a slave to tell him what to do. Like you realize how weird that is? And then in 2 Kings 5, 4 through 6, it says, So Naaman told the king what the young girl from Israel had said. Go and visit the prophet. The king of Aram told him, I will send a letter introducing you. So then it like goes on to say all the gifts that he brought. And he's like the other king of Syria says he wants, he wants the king of Israel to heal him from leprosy, which he couldn't do. And so not only did this high-level leader listen to a slave, he even mentioned her to a king. I don't know, like, where this girl was in the time of battle that she could have been captured, but she couldn't have been that important. But she was brought before a king. She had an army ruler listen to her and obey what she said. And it just brought me to the fact of thinking about how godly alignments will introduce you to people and put you in rooms that you could have never gotten in on your own. Like sometimes we think Christian people are weird <laughs> or like they don't know what it's like to live in the real world. I would much rather live in something that looks like the kingdom of God than in the real world. Because I don't know if you've noticed, the real world is kind of jacked up. Like I don't like when people are like, oh, you don't live in the real world. Thank God. <laughs> like maybe I'm smart enough that I don't have to live like everybody else. <laughs> so... If you think about it, if you're not pursuing godly relationships and godly alignments, which is exactly what you're doing by being here, you're probably not going to end up in rooms that you don't deserve. Like you're not going to be smart enough, you're not going to be cute enough, you're not going to be rich enough, and if you do, it'll last for about that long. Like I don't know if you've noticed what happens in crowds, but they turn really quick. So look at what God did in this servant girl's life. He allowed her to be taken so that she could serve a house and a people that she did not belong to. But God also used her to bring wisdom and guidance to someone who would have otherwise had no options. He put her in a place of authority where he actually took the time to listen instead of killing her for speaking up. What if where God has you doesn't look great right now, but he has you there for a reason? I can't tell you how many times I've either been at a doctor's office 
or a hospital or somewhere else that I don't necessarily want to be, maybe even divorce court. (laughs) And I think about how God brings me into those scenarios that I don't want to be in, maybe for a reason. Maybe it's the DMV for you. What if you are the one person that has the good attitude that changes the atmosphere? Do you know, like, I have this... I have this weird thing that I do, and if you've been with me in a public setting, you know that I do this. When people act like really negative around me, I have a tendency to start asking them how they're doing or complimenting them. I try to offset whatever mood is happening and bring in something positive, not to antagonize them, but to shift the perspective because I know that with God, I carry that authority. So instead of going, that person's a freaking, I go, maybe God sent me to this person. Maybe, maybe they're the, the cash register and no one's actually talked to them. Maybe no one's looked at their name tag and asked their name and they're my server and they matter to God. You know what's interesting? Me and my husband went to this restaurant a couple weeks ago and I was talking to this girl and I said, hey, what's your name? And she was like, you're the first person that's asked me that in weeks. <laughs> and like we started talking about how our names were really similar and it was just interesting. Like how do we go through our life and we think as people as dispensable? We think of people as inconsequential, and some of us are those people in those positions, and we don't even think about them. But what if God sent those people to your life? What if God sent you to those people's lives? This girl shows us that we matter. And if where we are at doesn't look great, God's still great in where we're at, and he can do whatever he wants to do there. So it didn't stop there. Okay, so I had told you that, that Naaman got upset when Elisha, like, said, hey, go wash in the water. But what happens is he has these people with him, okay, and they basically, he's, he's like, I imagine it, it doesn't say this in the Bible, but I imagine it, he's on his way home. He's like, forget this, whatever, I'm going to die. And all of a sudden, the people that are around him, which are still his servants, they say, If it was some hard thing that Elisha asked you to do, would you not do it? So why don't you do something that's so simple and just bathe and be clean? Naaman actually listens to them. He goes down and begins to plunge into the Jordan seven times and he comes back healed. Isn't it interesting that he uses servants and low-level people in this story? They are the catalyst in this story. It's not the prophet. It's not Naaman. It's the low-level people that no one even knows their name. God didn't use the powerful powerful or most influential people in Naaman's life. And if these people wouldn't have spoken up and he wouldn't have listened, God wouldn't have been able to do a miracle. Because, you know, greatness is not in a title. It's in a disposition. It doesn't matter what your title is. It matters who you are on the inside, not the title that you carry. And if you never act like a high-level person, if you never act like someone who's thinking up, You're never going to go there. So in these people's lives, while they had the title of a slave or the title of a servant, they didn't think like that. They weren't acting like that. Like, think about this guy. He's paid the greatest price. He's gone to battle. He's done hard things, but yet he can't go in water seven times? Like, that's weird. But isn't that how we are? You know, I, I think... In my life, like, I want to be a person who's important. I want to do important things. Otherwise, like, if you don't have that feeling in a way, like, you're going to go, why am I here? (laughs) Like, if you don't want to do something good or do something that matters, you probably are questioning that a lot. Um, 
But I think about this and I go, okay, I want to be important, but can God work through my life when it doesn't seem important? Like when I don't see it as important, do I let God use me? So I have to ask myself, what am I listening to? Am I listening to my negative thoughts? Am I listening to people who I see as successful? Am I listening to godly leaders? Am I surrounding myself by people who are moving in a direction I want to go? Because what you listen to and who you listen to matters. It will direct your life. The last point is greatness is attached to what you're willing to do. Despite this man, Naaman, being strong and important and whatever ideas he had about what he needed or deserved. You know we all have expectations, by the way. And they will get us in trouble every time. But he had these expectations about how, like, Elisha was going to come out and wave his hand and be like, you're healed. And he had to do something. And so he's like, what are you doing? You're telling me I have to do something to be healed? Do you know who I am? <laughs> like, oh, gosh. Sometimes at the church, I have these moments and these encounters with, like, usher greeters. And if you're an usher greeter, thank you for everything you do. But a lot of people, like, they don't know who I am because I'm not on stage as much as my brother and sister sometimes. So, like, there's times where I'm, like, trying to go somewhere. They're like, excuse me, you can't go there. I'm like, Oh, but instead of going, do you know who I am? I just go, thank you. And I go, they're doing what they've been asked to do. I don't need to assert anything. <laughs> you know, and I think sometimes we can, we can get pulled over by an officer. Oh, that's happened to me. And we can be like, excuse me. I think going 10 over is just fine. Or looking at my phone while going 30, I was safe. You know, like we have this like weird thing that comes up in our, in our minds and in our life of like, uh, no. Or someone asks you a question that you just don't like. Whatever, that happens to me. But I think about this and I go, okay, just like me, Naaman had to let go of what he expected and how he wanted things to happen in his life in order to receive what God had for him. God doesn't work how or when we want him to. He just doesn't. So if you want to know what God's timing is, it's never probably going to align with yours ever. Like, like, it's kind of funny to me when I see, like, God's timing. I'm like, never mind. If I can guess it, it's not it. Like, <laughs> so we must let go of our way to receive God's way. You have to let go to be able to receive. You get that picture, right? You can't receive with a hand like this. You got to let go so you can receive. So how often, I'm going to read some of these to you because I wrote these today because they, it resonated with me. How often do we think that something will make everything okay for us? What conditions need to be met in order for us to feel happy, cared for, important, and complete? When I make $50,000 or more a year, I will be happy. When I find the person I'm meant to be with, I will feel cared for. When I lose 20 pounds, I will feel complete. When I get one more degree, I will feel qualified. When people treat me the way that they should, I will be happy. When I get recognized and people want to be around me, I will be complete. When God has something great for us, oftentimes we want it, but we don't want to do what it takes to get it. And when there's something that God asks for us to do that we don't like, we're like, hmm, that doesn't sound like God. We think God needs to recheck his assignments and plans. We're like, we asked for healing not to go wash ourselves seven times. We asked for an opportunity, not hard work or uh, not good pay. 
We ask for alignments, not these people who bring stress into my life. We ask for a clear path to our calling, not that one though, I don't want to go there. Um, we ask for a servant's heart, but we don't want to do that, it's inconvenient. We ask to be more generous, but when we're blessed with finances or given the opportunity to bless others or give back, my money's mine, my time is mine, I don't have time. It's really strange how like often we ask, we're like, God, give me peace. How do you think, or, how, or God, give me patience. How do you think you learn to have more patience? How do, you, how do you think you learn to be more generous? We don't think through that. Sometimes I'm like, I need to stop asking God for that. Because like, I am wearing thin on my patience right now. <laughs> Sometimes we don't realize what we're asking for. But you know what I found? The greatest spiritual discipline is just showing up. Like, what are you willing to do? The line that you decide, I'm not willing to do that, you just cut off your own greatness. You just cut off God's possibility to use you there because you said, no, that's not for me. And then God went, okay, I'll find someone else. I found that God often uses problems in life to not only strengthen our relationship with him, but also to help us work through what's not working in us. Because of this sickness, Naaman in the Bible, he came to know who God was and he came to believe in God. When we face problems in life, we are willing to try almost anything except what God or his word tells us to do. God's word has a solution to all of our problems if we just follow the directions. Naaman's story is more than just a story of God's power over disease. It's more than just a story of God's grace extended to people when they don't deserve it. It's a story of God's character, how he loves us even when we don't love him. It's a story that shows us that our voice in our life matters no matter how small we think it is. Jesus used this story of Naaman. He actually taught out of it in Luke 4, 27. And he says to this crowd in the synagogue of Nazareth, he says, there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet none of them were cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. God healed this Syrian who was not God's chosen people. And in the same way right then in that moment with Jesus, he knew that the Israelites were missing out on the power of God right in front of their eyes. And aren't we doing the same thing every day? When we don't let God work in us, we're missing out on the power of God right before our eyes because we're too busy, we're too tired, I don't want to deal with you right now, I can't, I can't even. <laughs> and we just cut off our own greatness. So Naaman was powerful until he wasn't anymore. He was weak and helpless and in need. And he had this thing inside of him, and I think I have this and maybe you do too. He expected people to show him a level of respect. Even without a title, maybe he wanted people to stand in awe of him because of the price he's paid. And he went to Elisha to be healed and he expected some big ceremonious healing or for people to recognize who he was. But instead, that's not what happened. This was a man who was used to doing hard things but couldn't do something simple. But you know what his greatness shone through in? He was willing to listen to a little girl. He was willing to listen to the voice of God through his servants. And he obeyed it. What if the voice of God comes through someone that you don't like? What if right now you're listening to what I'm saying, you're like, that's not for me, and you're missing out on what God has for you? How many times do we hear something and it challenges us, and we're like, nah, that's not comfortable, that can't be God. 
What I found is God works in the place of uncomfortability. If it usually makes me uncomfortable, that's how I know God's talking to me. If I want to resist it, that's how I know God's talking to me. And, you know, I love in this story that God healed Naaman, but Naaman had to get over himself. We have to get over ourselves. Like whatever your excuse is, whatever your problem is, whatever your pride issue is, whatever your insecurity is, whatever your but I, but I can't, but I'm not, but I don't, but they said, whatever those things are for you, you have to lay those down in order to receive what God has for you. We might not have to deal with leprosy, but I think that there's a few people in here tonight that you need something today. You need something to happen. You need something to stop. You need something to start. Whatever that is for you in your life. I know I'm, I have a need. I mean, I think if you're breathing, there's some kind of need. And, you know, just because we're Christians doesn't mean we're perfect. I have really good news. God doesn't expect for you to be perfect. Because he is. So all you have to do is believe the scripture that says, in our weakness, his power is made perfect. So if you're weak... If you don't have the answers, if you realize I don't have it all together, you are the perfect candidate for God to work through you. You're in the perfect place for God's power to be its strongest. You have to be willing to step into greatness. Like we want to be great, but a lot of times stepping into greatness means that you have to be willing to do things that don't look important. You have to be willing to show up at 6.30 and help set up. You have to be willing to take your paycheck and give some of it into the kingdom so God can multiply it back. You have to do things like come here on a Saturday when we do Serve Our City this week and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Like the thing, the thing that I love about our church, just so you know I'm not forced to go here. <laughs> I choose to be here. The thing that I love about our church is they give us an opportunity to be a part of the kingdom. It's not watching a show and if you feel that way, it's just because you haven't found where to get plugged in yet. You get to actively be a part of the kingdom and love people and speak into people and be there for people. You have a part to play. And if you keep thinking, oh, I'm insignificant or I can't do that or I don't, I don't, don't want to be on stage or I don't want to do that, that's fine. But you're stopping God's greatness from working in your life. So I actually have been saying this a lot in my messages, but one of my friends is here tonight. She's always said in the internship, the only excuse is the excuse. What is your excuse that's keeping you from greatness? Because I have them. And I've like received those over the power of God working in my life. Imagine if Naaman had just gone, I'll go try this at home. I'll go try this in the, in the water that I know is clean. That sounds like something I would do. <laughs> Imagine, he wouldn't have received his healing. It's about obedience. And it's not like, oh, follow God and I am I don't have a brain of my own. God knows exactly what you need and he knows exactly what he can do through you and in you. And guess what? He's the one that put the desires in your heart. Don't believe the lies of the enemy that God's trying to take them away from you by you sacrificing. Literally, all God's trying to get you to do is give him something to work with. So whether it's your time, your talent, your treasure, whatever it is in your life, if you put it into the hands of God, he can multiply it back. If you keep it for yourself, you have the longevity of whatever that looks like. And usually it's not beyond yourself. It can't go beyond how smart you are, how strong you are, how talented you are, how rich you are, whatever your levels are. They'll stop at some point. 
So obedience to God means that you have to hear, trust, and submit to God and his word. Guess what? A lot of your questions can be answered in the Bible. Now it's important to seek wise counsel on that because there's a difference in like Old Testament laws and not. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to be up here talking because I'm a woman. So thank God. Uh, but <laughs> I wanted to read these to you. In Luke 11, 28, it says, Jesus replied, but even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. In James 1, 22 through 25, it says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word of God and you don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So understanding, like, like when you hear law, sometimes we think like, ew, I don't like that word. That's how I feel. But what this is saying is God's put certain principles in place. And if you understand them and you honor him in those things, guess what? You like automatically set yourself up for blessing. Automatically. There's not like an optional, hey, maybe God will bless me. It's like you do this. God does this. It's like pretty simple. And guess what? Whenever you choose to bless other people, God goes, oh, wow, now I'm going to put my favor on you, which is beyond blessing, that doesn't have a track record of what people could see of like, well, this is how much favor you get. Like, if you're a child of God, he's going to bless you. But if you live actually how he's called you to live, you're going to have favor. You're going you're gonna to be able to walk in greatness, and greatness is going to be who you are. It's not just something you talk about. It's not just something that you quote on Instagram. It's not just a video you watch of, like, Morgan Freeman. You're like, wow, that was good. Or, like, Denzel Washington, like, really pumped me up. Like, it's who you are because you can listen to the right people, and you can act on the right things, and you can think the right way. So you're literally just walking in greatness all the time. It's not even your own and doesn't even have a limit. And so... As I'm wrapping up today, I just, I'm so inspired by that, that servant girl. I feel weird calling her that because I feel like she's like a boss. Like you, in that time, do you understand how much courage that took to tell your master like, hey, you should do this. Like I would, I mean, thinking about like if I was back then, like if like masters were operating, he'd probably be like, and you need to die. Like <laughs> that took a lot of boldness. There's gonna be things in your life and rooms that God puts you in and he's gonna prompt you with stuff and you're gonna to wanna to resist it. Maybe it's smiling at that person you hate. Maybe it's doing something nice for someone who's betrayed you. Maybe it's just being faithful even whenever people haven't treated you right. That could even be in the church because the church is made up of imperfect people. But being faithful to God will always give you a return. You will always have a return, and that return in your life will be you will be great. So no matter how small you think your contribution is, no matter how big you think it is, if it's not aligned with who God has you to be and who he created you to be and what he wants for you, just remember it's not going to go that far. But God wants you to go way beyond yourself. He wants you to go way beyond your life. God's a generational God, so he wants to think legacy with you. But if you're not building your legacy now when you don't have a partner, how are you going to have a legacy when you do? It has to be who you are before you just have a kid. And if you have a kid, start it now. Do it now. Like after this message, be like, I'm doing it. Maybe you never tithe. Maybe you never served. Guess what? Saturday, we're all going to be here together at the church at 9 a.m. 
You can just show up and serve. I'm gonna be here, the interns are gonna be here. Come be a part of it. Like it's gonna be fun. We're gonna put bikes together for underprivileged kids. We're gonna build like these suitcases and backpacks for foster care kids and pack lunches for people and clean parks and do all kinds of stuff for our city. That's exactly what God's called us to do. If you've never known what your calling is, guess what? It's two things. Pastor Josh has been talking about it. It's to love people and to serve people. That's your biggest calling. Everything else, God just adds to your life after that. So if I could just pray with you, I'm not gonna do a big altar call today, but inside yourself, if you know, maybe you've been doubting yourself and like your worth and if you're important, or maybe, maybe you've just been thinking too highly of yourself and you are frustrated at God or frustrated at other people. And you know today, like, I wanna be great. Like there's things in my life tonight that I am thinking of, like I wanna lay that down so that I can be great because it's holding me back. If you have something like that, while I'm saying this prayer, I just want you to do something simple. I just want you to open your hands like you're gonna receive. And I believe in the supernatural, God's gonna respond to what you're doing in the physical. So God, I thank you for every single person in this room that has their hands out open to receive, that you would be with them, that you would bless them, that you would speak to them. God, I thank you that there's things in our life that you're using that we don't even see. There's things that look uncomfortable, there's things that look frustrating, and they're actually allowed by you to make us stronger, to build us up, to equip us, to weaponize us against the enemy. And God, I thank you that everything in our life has a purpose because you're in our life. God, if you weren't in our life, we wouldn't know what would happen, but we know because you're for us, who can be against us? If you're on our side, whom shall we fear? God, you have a plan and a purpose for every single person that can hear my voice and even beyond that. And God, I thank you that at the moment we decide to respond back to that, God, things are limitless. So I just speak a blessing over each person's life. God, I speak that the boundaries would be broken. God, that the lies would be broken. That the things that have held them back would be broken and they would walk in freedom. God, just like the Bible says, it's the truth that sets us free. God, as they've heard the truth tonight, that there's gonna be things in their mind, in their heart, in their life that get set free. They're gonna walk out of here with a new confidence, a new boldness, a new understanding of who they are in your kingdom, that you wanna use every single person. The titles don't matter. It's who you've created us to be on the inside and it's how we see ourselves. So God, I thank you for everything you're doing and we receive what you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that spoke to you. That story spoke to me. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Love Fiercely podcast. I would love for you to subscribe to personally receive weekly encouragement. Also, check out my blog at keelacraftambrose.com for monthly content. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at keelacraftambrose.